This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Thanks for tuning in. We got another action-packed episode for you guys here on Everything Went Black. This week, my old friend Aaron Dallison joins us. You may recognize Aaron from Keel Hall, another great band that we've played many, many shows together over the years. And I've always been a huge fan of him and his playing and all the music that he's been involved with. More importantly, Aaron has a brand new record out with his relatively new band, Axioma. The record is called Sepsis, and it is available on Translation Lost. Before we get going, I want to thank our newest member to the Everything Went Black Patreon Legion, Jeffrey. Thanks for joining. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in joining the Patreon, there is a ton of bonus material you get. At certain levels, you get early access to the weekly episodes, and there's a brand new tier now, and that's for sponsor level. For $25, you can become a sponsor. That might seem like a lot of money, but I'm gearing this mostly to people who want to promote something. If you have a business, a band, or some project that you're looking to draw attention to, For $25, I will give you a custom read. All you have to do is provide copy. I would say make it around 200 words. And I will read that on all of the free weekly episodes and uh, open the eyes of our listeners to your business, your band, or whatever project you have. So yeah, check it out. For as little as $1, you can uh, support the podcast and get the bonus content. For five bucks, you can support the podcast and get early access to all the episodes as well as the bonus material. And for $25, you can be an official sponsor of this show. And if you're listening to this show, obviously you're somebody of impeccable taste. So I urge you all to check out our brethren, the four horsemen of the podcast apocalypse. Of course, I'm talking about Into the Necrosphere, hosted by Jackie Smith, Horror Wolf 666, hosted by Brandon Legion, who is going to make a special guest appearance on this show, and my other podcast that I co-host with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid, that is the Necromaniacs podcast for all things horror. We played with you guys a few years ago, and I came to see you live in Brooklyn a couple of years ago before all right. this pandemic bullshit happened. And, right. uh, you know, as most of the other stuff that you've done, I, I think it's great and I'm a fan. And then when Sepsis uh, came out and I started listening to that record, it felt like uh, a huge step forward with something that I already enjoyed quite a bit. So congratulations right on. on the new record, man. That's awesome. Right on. Thanks a lot. Yeah, we're uh, we're pretty proud of it. You know, we put up 
quite a lot into it. So um, it's uh, it's good to see a lot of the uh, people enjoying it and actually getting it as well. Yeah. As far as as understanding it, you know, there's a, there's been a couple folks that you know you, I could I could see like oh, okay you didn't get it that's cool though you know like, <laughs> what do you, you what do you mean by at that? least you listen to it uh, just you know <clears throat> just not uh, I guess like there was I saw someone mentioning like well like what a horrible production it was and I was like dude <laughs> you must have you must have listened to like the worst MP3 or I because I, I don't understand it you know I I, I know I know production and I think it, it sounds pretty pretty good you know yeah and I I don't know what this guy listened to but he did not listen to the record or or a wave file of the record you know but that was all he said he he said nothing about any of the songwriting or any of that so you know some people just when they listen to it they're like okay let's check it out and then it's background music and then they make their their judgment upon that and that's fine you know whatever it's it's all good but as far as people understanding it i mean coming from the place that we've all came from over the last couple of years you know i think it's it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry <laughs> yeah. it's not that it's not that difficult to to get the uh get the feeling of what's going on here and we just we just managed to put it on on vinyl which we are very happy to be able to do that yeah speaking about the production stuff man like that it, it's it really is a shame that people have a voice sometimes you know what i mean it's like it's like in this day and age uh anyone can have an opinion however uninformed it might be and you know if someone is like listening to this record on their like you know, beats, uh, head, you know, earbuds or whatever, exactly drive, driving yeah. in a car at like 70 miles an hour or something. And like, right. Oh yeah. The production's uh thin, you know, or some bullshit like that, you know, they get right. to put that opinion out there and, uh, and it's something that someone reads, which might dissuade them from listening to an otherwise, you know, great record. You know, it's a fucking drag that that happens. Yeah. And it's uh, and that's, that's a, a part of it that we, pride ourselves on is making making everyone everything sound good and and you know like if if, if someone's like yeah well you know i don't like the way they do this or whatever I, yeah that's fine but sometimes okay. we try very hard to to get across and it, and it, it feels just it's just kind of nerve-wracking sometimes but you know you, you always have that so it is what it is <laughs> yeah. just move on where, where did you guys record this uh, actually, the same, the exact same places we recorded the previous record. Uh, our friend um, Dave Johnson, uh, Bad Back Studios. He's he has a well had a studio in his basement. He has since moved uh, about forty miles away, but he literally he lived about I could walk there in ten minutes. Um and all the other guys in the band, we all live within like a five minute drive of each other, which is kinda crazy. But so we recorded at his house. So it was extremely convenient. Our rehearsal spots like five minutes away as well. Um recorded it in his in his basement. He has a pretty nice studio set up. And he's I mean he's done previous stuff like for midnight, uh fistula He's, he's he's done quite a bit quite a bit of stuff down there. Um, 
Yeah, so he's in the know of what you guys are after. He's familiar with the sound. And um, did you guys spend any more time on this? Because I got to say, man, this record sounds just like leaps and bounds better, like on all levels, man, even production wise than the last record. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, seriously, like we thought he did great on the last record. So we were like, you know, we want we wanted him to continue and do this. And I think, I mean, I think this one was musically quicker. Like, I mean, each instrument or like drums were tracking wise was two days. I think guitars were two days. Bass was two days. Wow. And that, and that was it for tracking. Um, for the first time, like vocally, because he lives so close and we were able to do it. Um, I, I basically, cause, uh, cause when, when the vocals, cause I, I have like, I have ideas of what I want to do and whatnot, but I don't really, I don't sit down and, and hash it all out until we record. Cause I sit there and I soak it all in, you know, as when the guys are doing their guitars and whatnot, I'm just soaking it all in. And I used to do that. I've always done that with most of, most of the project I'm involved with. But, um, so for vocally, I would just sit and I'd be like, okay, I want to do these two songs in a week. And I would go home and, you know, start working on ideas, and, you know, what what wasn't already laid out. And then we go in and we do like two songs. And then I come back and then the next week do two songs. So that spread it out a little bit over a few weeks. But other than that, musically, it was done really quickly. Now, there's some some people out there that might be listening that don't realize how far back you and I go. Um, I mean, I, I think I met you in like 1997 or something like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I'd actually seen you perform prior to meeting you. So I saw you play in uh, Escalation Anger at the Grog Shop, like even before you and I met each other. And it's funny because I recognized you as uh, the guy from that band. And uh, when you when you showed up in Keel Hall, because I only really knew Dana and maybe Will at that point when we first met. Right. Yeah, that's funny, too, because all these years I never knew that until actually, I think recently, a few <laughs> years ago, yeah. we we talked about it. I'm like, what? No shit. Yeah. Like, you remember that? And, and I don't even remember what the premise was. Like, did we did our bands play together? I don't even remember. No, actually. It was my old, old, old band. We were on tour. We had a show canceled, and we were in Cleveland, and Tree was playing with you guys. Right? Okay. Yep. And yeah. then we knew the guys in Tree because we were on the same record label as them. We ended okay. up going to the show, and you guys were – I forgot where you were on the bill, what you, you were playing. And I was like, man, this band's like fucking kick-ass, man. And, and I mean, dude, I, I have a lot of respect for Tree. I always have. They were like a definitely a band that's like, you know, hit the road and really worked hard. Can't say right. I'm the biggest fan of their music, but I respect their work ethic. And when right, you guys right. played, I was like, this is definitely more my th my kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, yeah, that that was our that was that band, that was our thing. We played with everyone from SNFU to Tree to Deicide and like we just i don't know like because I, I wasn't from cleveland so when i moved here i was like yeah we'll play with them we'll play with them over over there on that side of town that you guys don't go to we'll go there and so we, we played with everybody and it, and it and every and a lot of people respected that and came out to see us because of that 
Yeah, yeah, totally, man. So and I, are, I, are, there, are any of those guys still active doing bands? Um, it depends on the lineup that you saw. Oh yeah, yeah, I, would be I don't remember. You. Yeah, like the 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 drummer. I mean, he he's been an incantation for like twenty some five oh, wow. years or whatever. Okay. All right, uh, Kyle, actually Kyle from Incantation. Um, he was the drummer for uh, Escalation. I don't know. I I doubt that he was in. He'd already probably left to good to join Incantation by then. So. Yeah, and and yeah, the other guys have have done other things. I can't I can't think off the top of my head anything right away. Just it's been so fucking long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, man. The years rack up. That's for sure. And then uh, Keel Hall, of course. And you know right. we've we've our bands have played uh, many 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 shows over the years, and you know you guys are all friends of of mine, and and uh, yeah, I feel you know like there's a big history there. And uh, that's mostly how I got to know you, and, right? Uh, yeah, and well, I, we, I always, did, we even did a we did a split ahead. seven inch. Yep, even. that's right. I was just gonna say we did a split seven inch, and uh, and I, that's when I really got sort of familiar with the whole Cleveland thing as far as music goes. You know, Craw. You know, Will was in Craw, uh, right? And uh, you know, I got a deep respect for like just the scene in general. That's that's in Cleveland. There's like you know the Duvalby brothers. Uh, you know, Keel Hall, Craw, you know, yeah. bands like Integrity and Cold Blood, you know, Escalation, Anger, like all these great bands come from that town, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the, the scene back in, the, I hate that word, but it's, you know, it's about the only thing, the scene, the, you know, in the 90s here in Cleveland was insane. Like, it was just, you could go anywhere, just about any night of the week and see a heavy band play at any given venue and it was it was the people would come out and people were going nuts and it, it was and, and that's why i moved here actually i came up here basically to scout because I, I was i was born and raised in a town in virginia that was mostly owned by a televangelist so you know i was like that i, I had to get the fuck out of there so yeah um so i ended up here in cleveland because of that i came up here and people and, and there were local bands selling out like 800 seat places and people just going ape shit jumping off stage and you know and these were just these were i mean they were local bands they did tour and and actually they go to europe and stuff but still it was it was just crazy to me i'd never experienced anything like that so i i basically stayed and yeah, man, like throughout the nineties it was it was crazy here. It was lot lots of talented people, lots of different bands and in different styles, you know, as well. Like you go from say Integrity or Ringworm to Duvaldi Brothers, that's a big that's a huge, you know, step. But it's still great stuff regardless and, and all those bands are kind of like aware of each other because like you know I, I i toured with ringworm you know i know dwid and like they all know about all these other bands too it's not like if you play in a hardcore band you don't know about the Dubalbi brothers or you know vice versa it seems like a, more of like people were just into bands that made good music in some ways right right well yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a blue collar town so you know there, there wasn't much uh there wasn't much bougie shit going on. Like, well, we're, we're so much better than you guys. Fuck you. No, everybody, like everybody hung out together, 
know, did shows together. Uh, it was all pretty, you know, obviously with that whole hardcore thing, there were people had beefs and whatnot. Well, whatever yeah, you naturally. It, whatever, yeah. whatever you call that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there was that. But other than that, everyone was, everyone was, was, was very cordial with each other, musically speaking. And, you know, it was, it, it was a good time. That always cracked me up about hardcore, how there was like, you know, beefs and like little gangs that fought each other and like, Every now and then, I would wonder if it was like if the bands that were like on Touch and Go had stuff like that. Like, you would go to like right. a slint a slint show, and there'd be like some gang member there like beefing with a guy in the band because of some. You know, this, <laughs> I always laugh about that whole thing, even though those guys take that shit very, very seriously. You know? Oh I mean? yeah, yeah, I know. And and like when when I came here, I didn't know anything about any of that kind of shit. I was used to dealing with rednecks you know yeah <laughs> so so that was a whole other and actually i didn't really i didn't really i didn't understand it at all and then i i played live both guitar and bass and ringworm over the years just doing live stuff for them like traveling uh-huh. and then then i got the the whole and they weren't really a part they weren't a part of that at all but they got lumped in with that whole thing and uh you know, guys would come out, and I just hear stories—not just of the Cleveland stuff, but you know, we go, we play New York, and a lot of those guys would come out and just hear stories. I'm like, holy shit, man! This this is no joke. <laughs> oh yeah, totally, man. You know, I was actually going to ask you if you ever played in Ringworm because I would have sworn that I saw you perform with them or a guy who looked like you. So, oh yeah, yeah, pro- yeah, yeah. yeah. Like over the years, I there was one. I think well, I want to say. Oh shit! I don't even remember. Maybe like '98 or something. So I, I don't. I don't even remember the. No, no. Maybe 2008. I actually went out with them. They were like gone most of the year, and I went to Europe with them, Australia, New Zealand. Did all of the states a couple times, and it was just live stuff. Because like when it came to, like I, I that just wasn't my thing. Writing the music, you right. know, for, for that. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed the shit out of playing it, and they were all my good friends of mine. You know, they were like my drinking buddies. That's what they were like. Hey, this this dude quit. Can you fill in? I'm like, yeah. You guys are going to Europe, and yeah, let's go. You know, it was that kind of thing. That's awesome. And at the, and at the time, Q Hall was on one of their many hiatuses, or who knows what the hell was going on with with Q Hall at the time. So yeah, you know, I just I just jump in the van with those guys and go and go play. Yeah, right around the time I met you guys, I was living in Boston, which uh, is another epi- right. epicenter of hardcore gang violence, especially during that era. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Experience a lot of that stuff too, man, for sure. Yeah, they, uh, like Dana from Kiel Hall, he lived in you know, as you know, uh, he lived in Boston for quite a while, and you know, he he, he told me stories of, of his perception of that you know he saw a lot of that as well, so. Yeah, yeah I mean, if you I, uh, went, that's when I met Dana when he was in La Gratona. Right, right. Yeah. If I mean, if you in cities like that, if you went to any heavy shows, you you experienced some form of it. You know, it was it was always around for sure. No, definitely. So with Keel Hall, are you guys? So what's what's the status of Keel Hall right now? I was figured I'd just ask you that question. Oh, <laughs> uh, there really <laughs> there really is no status. Okay. I mean, <laughs> all right, all right. We, we, uh, we haven't, we've hung out, actually the four of us hung out recently. We actually went to see Tool, which 
basically uh danny danny the drummer of tool hit us up and invited us all out to come see their show so we all got together we went we met up at a bar had a couple drinks went to see tool went back to the bar and then we all went home and the whole time we were, I mean, and we were together almost the whole time, the four of us, and never, we didn't once talk about you all. You know, we talked about like, oh, yeah, my fucking bathroom, my house, man. You know, we, we talked about life and we never mentioned the band. So that that I knew right there. I'm like this, you know, it's 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 done. You know, yeah. I know people hate to hear that, but that's just the way it fucking is. And And personally, like. I don't feel that the four of us could get together and it would, it would, it wouldn't have the power that it had back then. So it would be, it would be selling, selling ourselves and people short if we did it again. That's my opinion. You know, like I said, we've never talked about, it, so I don't know what the other guys think of that. I could dig that, man. That that's like fair enough. You know, it's like when it's, when it's over, it's over. And you know, if you have to force it, then it's not worth doing. Yeah, I mean, I just couldn't. I can't see getting in a in a room and relearning that material and 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 doing it justice by any means. You know, it, it, it sure as fuck wasn't like simple, simple stuff where yeah. it's like, okay, three chords and let's just sing along. It it wasn't that. So there's no reason to no reason to try to rehash it. I mean, like, actually, it's this no one no one knows about this because it's in limbo, but. Dana Dana wrote a bunch of songs. This was a couple before the pandemic, and he texted me and said, "Hey, I got I got an album here, and I I don't know any musicians." He said, "I trust you with the bass on it, and you know some people." So, so basically, long story short, I put down uh, bass tracks on it. I got the drummer John from Axioma. He played drums on it, and then. I'm like, well, this this shit needs a vocalist, like a frontman vocalist, like a like a fucking David Yao type thing, you know? Right. So uh, basically, I texted my friend Sean from Childbite. Oh yeah, Childbite, and he somehow agreed to do it. So we we recorded the record same place as Axioma recorded, and the record's been done for three years now. Oh man. And we we had a label to agree to put it out, and things were moving forward, and then everything just stopped. You know, the pandemic came, and they were still like, yeah, yeah, we want to do it, we want to do it, and nothing. So it's been sitting around for three years. We're not obligated. There's no contracts. So it's just no one knows about it, so it's just sitting there. And, you know, Dana Dana's moved on. He's written another record of something else, and, you know, it's just kind of – and any any fan of Keelhaw would hear that and be like, "Well, that's about as close as you're gonna get, really." Is you know half of us, <laughs> basically. What's the name of the project? Uh, it's called Six Kills Nine. Yeah, I think yeah, Dana mentioned that to me actually, and I, I was curious if it was the same the same thing. But at the yeah. time I talked to him about it, I, I don't think any of this stuff had been recorded. So this that's right. Yeah, we upsetting we to hear that it's not that it's in limbo right now. Yeah, we we played a, a handful of shows that went well. We played when Pelican came through. We played with them. Mm -hmm. We actually we went to Detroit and played with Agnostic Front and Prong, 
Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and we did a thing here called the Blackout Cookout. I believe that was our first show ever. And, uh, yeah, we were, like, we were firing on, on all cylinders, too, man. It was sounding good. And then, you know, then the pandemic happened, and then it just, you know, just kind of fell apart. So we, uh, I mean, as far as I know, I mean, that project is not dead by any means. It's just we ran into a few roadblocks, so to speak. I'd love for love for someone to to put it out. I don't know if the, the label that agreed to put it out is still thinking of doing it because they've put numerous things out since, you know, that obviously weren't sitting around for three years. So I don't know. <laughs> Damn. But... But, you know, in the keel hall context of things, that's probably about as close as you can get. It's like two of us in a, in a project. And, and another thing that's, that's, that is unfortunately probably pretty detrimental to the whole keel hall thing is Will was in an accident last year and he shattered his heel. Oh, man. And he broke his uh, wrist. He fell off of a ladder. Oh, he was man. Cutting, cutting some uh, branches off a tree. And, the branch came back, smacked him off the ladder. So as far as I know, he hasn't even played drums since like oh, in a year. Oh man. He, he was, he was literally bedridden for about, I think four to five months. He couldn't even get out of bed. You know, I didn't know that. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, how did I not find out that Will was injured like that? And I'm like, yeah, because for the last two years I haven't been on the road anywhere. And that's when I normally right. see people. And, you know, none right, of us right. really, you know, it's none of us are really known as like staying in too good a touch with everyone unless we see each other, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and none of us are, are, are really like, oh, my God, get on social media. You know, you won't believe what happened to me today. Yeah, you know, totally. So that that's, you know, it's just uh, so, I mean, I, I hope. I mean, he's the last time I saw him. He's he's walking around okay, but as far as playing drums, the way he used to play drums, that wasn't you know that was he was using he was using parts of his body that you know most drummers don't even know exist. Yeah, to totally. to, to to do what he did, and so I don't know if he'll ever be able to play drums like that again. I, I certainly hope he can for you know, but. And I, I don't know what his interest level is in even attempting to do it anymore. You know, damn, I'm sorry to hear all that. Because we're not we're not spring chickens, and he sure as hell isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> Father time's yeah. coming for all of us, man. Because <laughs> he was the old man in the group. Yeah. I was the young one, <laughs> and I got half a century. Well, the um, that six kills nine stuff. You know, I, that man, I hope that stuff comes out. And you were saying that Dana had already written like another thing. Is it more of that material or something completely different? I think I think it was more of that material. Oh man, I, um, from from what he was telling me, one of the last times I I talked to him, like about about that is he's like, dude, I got like three records written. Oh, I mean, he's he's insane. He just sits he just sits at home and just riffs out. But the thing is, is you know, he doesn't. He, he barely he barely like leaves the house and he barely plays with anybody else so I, I don't i think he's got something going with some people right now not real sure 
I think he might have gotten frustrated of this whole six kills nine just fucking sitting there. It's a it's a great fucking record. Um, we actually did a live uh, a, uh, during the pandemic. We did one of those um, streaming things. Oh yeah. We didn't we didn't do it live. We did it where like we recorded it. Like I did it in my basement. Danny did it at his place. That kind of thing. Right. It was uh, what was it? It was the uh. There's a thing in Arkansas, the uh, shit monsters, shit. I can't believe I, I can't remember what it's called right offhand because it's got too much going on. Um, but they, they do like a fest and they've been doing it for years and they did it in our, they did it uh, over the pandemic quite a few times. Mut- Mutants of the Monster, I think. Okay. It's called. Yeah, that rings a bell. And, Man. uh, CT from Wake puts it on. He he does. He organizes all of it, and uh, so we did uh, like a six or seven, or maybe five or six song uh, video. So if you can probably look up the Mutants of the Monster and find that somewhere, if you're that inclined or interested. <laughs> I, I, I will it, for sure. I it will. turned out it turned out pretty pretty good. Especially, I think it was all of us the first time we ever done anything like okay i'm gonna film myself play this song you know it it was it seemed ridiculous but at the time no one really had anything else you know that was the only way you could do it so yeah man i think back to that stuff and it makes me depressed you know what i mean it's like i mean it's great that people tried doing that you know and like like we even did some stuff too or where it was just like you know let's try to do something during this period but like you know i was like man this is no one's going to want to look at this stuff like going forward. You know what I mean? It's like right, bad right. memories and PTSD the, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's just the past the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I have fucking, when we were, when we were locked down for like the, that literal two weeks when you couldn't leave the house thing, uh, myself and Matt sword from ringworm, we wrote 10 songs on a little, we, uh, spire app on our phones mm-hmm. like i write a song send it to him he send me a song and then we sent it to kyle from incantation he put uh demo drums to it and then we it was that was the march by may we had we had it recorded in an actual studio wow like we and it was like super quick and by the or by the end of the year in december the record record actually came out and it was all it was like db discharge stuff you know just pretty simple and uh i was pretty happy about that actually so wait what what is this now like i i didn't even know this existed you and matt yeah and uh it's yeah it's called perdition sect oh yeah okay all right that's you guys and, uh, yeah yeah and Dude. we like me and matt wrote 10 songs in 10 days and that that was it like and then uh the bass player wrote a song during that time as well and then we uh, recorded at Mercenary Studios, who actually does all the midnight stuff now. Um, and well, actually, no, we didn't. I'm sorry, I lied. We we recorded, we tracked it at Kyle's house in Columbus. So myself and Matt traveled to Columbus, you know, when we probably weren't supposed to, <laughs> but we, you know, we're masked up, went and got in the basement and recorded drums. Uh, and the bass player came and recorded a couple weeks later. By the time the record came out, the four of us hadn't even played 
together yet. You want, like you want, you want to know how, how totally shot I am right now? I actually have this in my, in my band camp. And the oh, uh, no end, shit. end times, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, I had no idea who was in the band. Yeah, that, that was us. <laughs> That's so funny, man. Yeah. Well, wow. I mean, you think about it, there's so much, so much stuff coming out on a given Friday. There's, I mean, there's got to be what, like 50 releases just in the in metal and and punk or whatever. You know, every Friday, it's just insane. That's true. I'll, I'll look at new releases and I just look down. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. I just don't. Yeah. That's kind of one of the, and the, the, how I found out about this, it's like, uh, like it, it, I have Apple Music, you know, so it's like, I'll have right. stuff playing and then they reckon something else will come up. Say I'm listening to like a tragedy record or something like that, or, or like, you know, Disfear or whatever. And then yeah. like, when that record's over, another band's song comes up that they match your algorithm with and then right. i think i must have been on a day where i was listening to that style of hardcore music and then the perdition sex stuff came up and i was like or one or two tracks and i was like oh let me let me get deeper into this and during the pandemic i really leaned into like buying stuff on Bandcamp to like kind of support you know the scene more you know what i mean right right and that's how i came upon the perdition sex stuff and i didn't even think to look about who was in the band or any of that stuff you know what i mean Oh yeah! I didn't even realize it was an American band, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude, the, the con the concept of it literally came up in March, or like right. Actually, literally, myself and Matt went to see the Obsessed at Now That's Class. Okay. And and fucking Wino, they fucking tore it up, man. They oh, were amazing. Yeah, 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 totally. And we went and sat at the bar, and we we're just like high off of that, like man. Everything should be shutting down. We both work at the same place, and we knew that like that we were gonna get shut down, but we didn't know how long. And I said, "Dude, I by what everything is going on in this country and all over the world right now, I just want to do a discharge fucking style band and scream at people, you know." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, that sounds great." So the next day, I woke up and texted him. I'm like, "You still down with that?" Because you know, we'd had some beers, and he said, totally. So I texted the other two guys, and they were totally down with it. And we, like I said, within a couple months, we had the record done. In fact, the hardest part about all of it was naming the fucking band, because we were originally going to call it End Times, and then, you know, Google search, there's a couple bands named End Times. So, you know, that, that was the hardest part about it, really. Everything else just came like nothing, there none of the none of the riffs, none of the songs, none of the lyrics, nothing was written beforehand. We just we, it was like literally right there on the spot. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. You, so, so you get the when you when you you know when you check it out and you see the lyrics and hear the music, it's 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 for that time right there. You know, twenty was it twenty twenty in March twenty twenty. That's exactly what was going on. So for me, it's it's like a you know it's a time capsule. It's a perfect document of that time of my life. You know, man, what a, what a horrible fucking like. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> but we've 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 played shows. You know, and we haven't really talked about doing anything else as of yet. 
that that kind of inspiration hasn't hit us just yet. Right on. But but we you know we'll, we'll play a show. We'll just do the whole record right there in its entirety. Like we just we played with Immolation like a month ago in Columbus. Oh, kill Yeah. Yeah. What a great record those guys put out, man. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's very good, very good record. And then seeing them fucking nail it live, even better. Yeah. Well, those guys have always been like incredible players, man. You know. Oh, of course. Yeah. Actually, Steve, their drummer is from here. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I've known him for almost thirty years. Damn. He was in a he was in a band from here. They were called Gutted, not to be confused with the Gutted from I think Dayton, Ohio, that actually had a couple records out. And then they, when they when that came about, they changed their name to Odious Sanction. And then uh, so they they were they were pretty popular definite band here in Cleveland for many years. And then uh, it's, it's kind of cool because. One of, I mean, Immolation was like Steve's favorite band, and then he got the when he got the word, he went and he he's been in that band maybe now for like at least fifteen twenty years, I'm guessing. Yeah, the only guy I really know and not even that well is Ross. That's the only dude I really know in Immolation. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know I, I kind of I met some of the other guys, but I don't really wouldn't say I know them necessarily. Right, right. I don't, I don't really either. I just know Steve, Steve, and I've known him forever. Yeah. So now with Axioma, when did you guys actually form? Like, when did the how? How did that? How did you guys all meet? You know what I mean? Because I don't, I never knew any of those guys prior to prior to right. seeing them with well, you. It's uh, it's it's kind of interesting. So uh, the guitar player, the long haired guitar player, Cyril which everyone calls him Cougar because he came here, he moved here from France. He used to play in a death metal band from France called Morgue. Okay. And they, they came over here and were playing shows, and he just liked it, and he stayed. And he, he met a girl here and got married, so he's been here you know, for 20 years probably. So he's been in, in and out of bands, all, all excellent bands, and... Uh, he he was doing a band called Forged in Flame. It was more like a stoner type thing. Mm-hmm. And they actually they did some touring. Uh, I think they might have had something to do with Napalm Records, okay. possibly. Yeah. But anyways, that kind of was well, it wasn't falling apart, but it just wasn't as busy. So he he wrote like five songs, I think, and as a side project. So he went in and he got the drummer John and you got Justin and they recorded this uh, five songs. It's basically be like a demo or whatever. At the time I didn't have anything going pressing going on and we we were at a show or somewhere. He was telling me about it. I'm like, oh well, let me check it out. You know? So he was like, oh, I'll probably just play bass myself, you know, whatever. I don't care. So I said, Well let me check it out. I'll you know see if I could if I like it, I'll put some stuff to it. So I listened to it, totally liked it. Uh, went in, just, I, I didn't even have anything worked out. I just listened to that record for like four days straight. Went in and just kind of did the did the thing where like, okay, play this part and punch in the next part, kind of making everything up mm-hmm. almost yeah. on the spot. Well, that turned out. And then, so I got done with that and they had another singer. And I don't know, they were they were just saying like how he, he was just, take it too long to do stuff 
And I was like, oh, well, as I was doing the bass stuff, I was like, oh, I had a couple ideas. So I threw down some vocal ideas, no words, just like some yelling, you know, enunciation type stuff. And uh, so <laughs> they fucking get in touch with me like a few days later. I'm like, yeah, we uh, we told the singer he's done. I'm like, well, I'm like, well, wait a minute. We never, I'm not, I don't want to be the singer. Like, and then they're like, no, but you're, you know, you're good at it. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just screaming. So lo and behold, I end up being the fucking singer. So yeah, that, but hold, let me interrupt for a second. How can you say you're not a good singer, man? Well, I, well, technically I'm not a good singer. Oh, come on. I, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a decent screamer. There you go. But it fits the music <laughs> though. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, right. you know, no, no, none I of understand. us are like fucking George Michael or something like that. You know what I mean? No, or, right. Yeah. No, I, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But, but all these years I've been trying to play in bands where I don't have to do the vocals and I always end up doing Keel Hall. I was not, that was just by default, you know? So all these bands, Escalation Anger, even back in the early nineties, that was by default. Like just cause we kind of just, I just never liked singers personalities. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, yeah. So, and that, so that, that little demo type thing, we actually, where we, we tracked it at a, a friend's house and then it turned out all right. And I was like, I was like, let's take this to Dave at bad back and having mix it. So he mixed it. And that, that right there was uh opia, which was like, we just put it out ourselves. We didn't bother like we didn't bother letting anyone else hear it. We just were like, okay, we'll print them up CDs ourselves, and that's what we did. And then uh, it went from there. Man, isn't it cool that these days you can put a recording project together like that? You know, where you could just record it basically in this kind of lo-fi setting, and then have right. someone with a real real setup, you know, mix it, and it sounds great. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's, exactly. That's revolutionary stuff, man. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done I've done stupid shit here on my little laptop, and then you give it to somebody, and you're like, wow, sound. Never thought it would sound like that great, you know? And yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, actually, the last um, like a I don't know, a few months ago, like a week, a couple week, few weeks ago, we had a thing come out. Um, Tombs had a thing come out that. We, we actually recorded that in our practice space and uh, sent it to uh, Bobby Torres, who recorded our last album and EP, and to, for him to mix it, you know? And I was just, you know, tripping out on how that would be so impossible to do. Like, you, you couldn't even think about doing something like that years ago. Not even oh, that right. long ago either, but, you know. No, yeah. no, not at all. That's what, I mean, to think about when it was fucking everything was tape oh my god yeah <laughs> expensive too possible yeah i remember i think the you know some of the first things that i recorded that was just quarter inch tape you know yep. it's like well and well and and so speaking on that subject which i actually forgot to mention um, when you were asking about the the length or the uh, i was basically when i was saying how quick we kind of recorded the the sepsis um, we also had a setup in our practice room and we recorded all these songs before we went into the studio, just recorded them on logic. And I, I'd mix them down just musically, no vocals. And, uh, we basically handed those to Dave and like, here, this is, this is what we got. And I'm pretty much, I could probably say a hundred percent sure that nothing changed 
from those as far as um, arrangements and songwriting from those demos to the record. So we were like, like he even said, he's like, wow, you guys are more prepared than you were last time. So I think that helped a lot with how, how quickly we were able to get through it. Oh, as yeah, far as yeah. Tracking. yeah, no doubt. I mean, that that's demo. Making a demo of the entire album is, is definitely a way to fly, man, when it comes to being like efficient in the studio. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you know exactly what you want. You know exactly what you want to hear. So, yeah, that. I forgot to mention that, but when you brought up that, that's exactly what happened. You know, just due to due to the the technology that we have now, it's, it's it was easy to to make that happen. Well, that that's probably why like like that level of preparation definitely came across because like what I was saying earlier was like how you know though I like the uh, you know all the other stuff I love you know but the new you know sepsis to me is just like a huge step forward and probably a lot of that could be attributed to what you just said like being more prepared doing the demo having things yeah, figured yeah, out definitely. a lot more before you went into the studio you know yeah oh most definitely most definitely and, what, what's and, funny is like uh you mentioned that cyril was from france and it's the you know this totally superficial and probably has nothing to do with anything but i when I listen to Axioma, what comes to mind is like Death Spell Omega, which is a French band, and a lot right. of French, a lot of the French black metal stuff has that sort of vibe to it. Uh -huh. and, and I feel like Axioma, though you know, obviously you guys are American, that kind of like uh, connection, at least with the music. I don't know. Is was is he a fan of any of that French black metal stuff? Uh, I think to a certain extent. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's like listens to it all the time or anything but i you know to a certain extent i know i know he'll bring up stuff and I'm, i've never heard of it you know yeah i know and i know justin the other guitar player he's much more schooled on all the the new black metal the new death metal all that stuff but he i mean he also like so he does all the art but he he runs a, a site called dark art and craft oh yeah i follow which, that yeah 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 so that's that's his site like he he's he's like what do you call it the web i don't know what you call that but that's basically he does all that so he's he's definitely more up on newer or well not that those like dust spells newer but he, he's up with a lot of the that's that scene so to speak as far as i'm the least in the, in the group in the band that, that knows all that stuff i mean i know i know i know dust spell obviously but once you get to the bands where i can't pronounce them then i'm start i start to get lost <laughs> lost in the haze of blackness <laughs> <laughs> so, but, so now that things are kind of open again as far as like playing gigs and going on the road you guys have any any i know that you got a bunch of local regional dates you know i saw that you're playing you play either played with or are playing with integrity um yeah we just did the other day yeah yeah, yeah. and uh so do you have any plans to branch out, like maybe come out east or anything like that? Uh, dude, we've been, since we knew when the record was coming out, I've, I sent emails probably to about, I'd say about 10 agents. Um, only two got back to me. And the only reason they got back to me is because they they were uh, referred by someone in the business, other of another part of the business, you know? Cause I was just like, dudes, I don't know. I'm, these people aren't getting back to me. And even those guys that did get back to me, they're like, dude, our roster's full, which I get it. Everyone wants to tour now. 
and nobody wants to put a fucking, so to speak, new band out there. So, so we're, we're at a standstill other than just playing regional stuff at this point. You know, we're, we're still trying to, trying to get our talents in somewhere, but everyone's been pretty, pretty unreceptive to uh, what we're, what we want to do. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, it's, it's oversaturation probably because I know everybody, everybody's got their hands full. I know a, a few bands that kind of got dropped after, you know, getting half of a tour booked and then their agency was just like, Oh, we can't do it anymore. They're just out on their own. Wow. And I'm, I mean, even, even the other guy, I'm the older, oldest one, but the other guys, it's just, you know, when you got a, a fucking, a life and a house payment and, you know, I don't have time to, to book shows for a tour, you know, you need, I need an agent to do that. And, so far, we have been extremely unlucky in that department. Yeah, honestly, man. Like, uh, yeah, we just got back from a tour, and um, it seemed like in the month of uh, April, May, and June, every single band was on tour. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it was. I I observed something similar to that with there just being like every night there'd be like, oh yeah, Guar was here last night, or sometimes Guar was playing the same night as our tour. You know and Right. You know, it's just like definitely, yeah. you know, saturation point at this stage, you know. And I mean, we've we've been talking with, with a couple of people in Europe. So maybe something will come of that. You know, I, it's, it's just, uh, like I said, I, I reached out to quite a few people and no one even had the, no one even got back and said, oh, dude, sorry, we're full. They just chose not to return the emails. That <laughs> Which, sucks, man. You know, it's like, all right, whatever. I hate that, you know. And, and I said this on the last episode when I was talking to uh, one of the guys uh, with uh, Jay from uh, Executioner's Mask. Chris Bruni yeah. never returns my fucking emails, man. The dude of Profound Lore. And I'm not even trying to get my own band signed or anything. I'm trying to, like, have other bands that I think are great that would fit on his label. The dude, right. can, at the very least, the guy can respond and say, hey, thanks, but, you know, I'm not interested or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I've I've noticed, especially in the culture of of in in this in the culture of our music right now, the metal and I people just don't bother anymore. They're just like, oh yeah, I'll just ignore it. And I, I get it. I I'm I'm sure I've missed some emails of you know replying. I'm I'm not not saying that it's uh, <laughs> it, but it it just seems too common to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't like that. Like, I I try to like at least respond, man. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, just through the I mean, podcast and the band. Like, I get I get a lot of emails and messages and and like, right. I always at least say, you know, hey or whatever, or I can't talk about this right now or something. You know what I mean? Rather than just leave someone right. hanging. I actually, it's funny because there was there was a there was an agent who I saw complaining online about no one answering their emails and i just i literally uh, responded right with a question mark because that person was someone that i contacted oh no <laughs> didn't email me back Oops. <laughs> that's funny and man. and honestly i don't even know if they got it like they might have skipped over my you know I, I can imagine if you're an agent or something it's it's it'd be so easy to skip over some things or 
you know, whatnot. But it just seemed like, like I said, it was like 10, 10 that I sent out and no one's getting back. So who knows? Who knows what the hell it is? But I mean, I, I figure if that's your part of your job all day is is receiving and 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 getting the emails out, then you should at least be courteous to say, "Hey, sorry." If for no other reason, then you you never know, like how things are going to play out in the coming years. You know what I mean? As far as like someone that you might have uh, you know slighted or you know. That might be the one thing that down the line that person might be in a position where that mattered. You know what I mean? And oh, it's for like, sure. Yeah. So I, that's that's just because I mean, for me, I try to just be human about it, but also I keep in the back of my mind is like, you never know if you're gonna you know run into someone in person and they'd be like, you know, hey man, you never responded to my email or my message or whatever, and I just don't want to ever be in a position like that. You know? Yeah. No, I've, I've trust me, I work. Doing live sound in the music business, I see that all the time. When you know these these bands, and, and we're not, I'm not even talking about bands on our level. I'm talking about bands that you know have these big tours and sell out 1,500 seat places and whatnot. You know they're they're on their way up and they want to be dicks. Oh, but yeah. the funny thing is, is they also come back through when they're on their way down. Yep. And it's just like, oh, so you were a dick last time. What about now? You know, yep. you're not you're not so high and mighty. So it's it's you know, that's a common common thing in this business for sure. And also, just the sound guy is probably one of the last people you want to be a dick to. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? He's the guy who's in control of your sound and how you're being presented to the to the audience. You know, that's the yeah. last guy that you want to fucking piss off. You know. <laughs> yeah, like him or the the stage manager, even yeah. like the uh, the green room person. You know, well, any, any anyone, anyone at the venue, they're on your side they're, generally. You know? Yeah, they're there to make you feel comfortable, but you know, some people don't get that shit. So yeah, it is what it is. The Cyril uh, also has uh, a guitar company, doesn't he? Uh, he yeah, for the most part, yeah. He he. Uh, he makes guitars, custom guitars. Right. Um, he like the if you most uh, like in the last couple of years, if you see him playing something or picture him playing something on stage, is something he made. And he made uh, for me. He had never made a bass guitar before, so I was like, "Dude, guy made me a bass guitar." Because we started using this insane tuning, so I didn't need a, a separate guitar and. It has to be set up like it's drop G. Oh wow! So I still I refuse to play five string basses. I still play four string basses, but <laughs> yeah. the but the 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 heavy bass string is a one sixty gauge because of that tuning. Right. So it's pretty crazy. You got to set it up a, a, a certain way. So, anyways, he uh, he's like, all right, well, uh, so basically, we drove like two hours south of here to like this Amish like town that, and it was like an Amish Home Depot. It wasn't Home Depot. I free, it was named after whatever family. Oh, wow. But you, walk, you walk in and it's just like a Home Depot, but everyone who works there is Amish. And, and you go in this one section and they had these blocks of wood that are perfect for guitars. Wow. So we went in, got that piece of wood and, and he, uh, he made, he made the bass for me and it's, 
it's uh it's, it's pretty amazing like i mean as soon as i put it on it's you know it's got one humbucking pickup one volume knob and it plays it plays better than any of the like i'm mostly fender jazz basses and it's just played better than any fender jazz i've ever had and that's with a fucking 160 string on it too Damn. so what do you do you just get like a five string bass set like a bass string set and just use the bottom four strings on it or something like that no nah, i i get it i get a normal bass because i have other bases with you know the normal so i just get a normal set and then i buy the 160 separate they're like 15 bucks for just one of them yeah no i i, I just bought a five string bass man and, and like i'm just uh realizing how expensive bass strings are yeah so i just i just order the one string and then i just you know like i keep the i think i use 105s normally for the, the big string and i just keep them to the side and use them for the other bases that i have because i think on this record we use three different tunings which can kind of can be hectic live <laughs> i bet dude so that's like three different bases you probably have to have on stage right well luckily one of them it's like d standard and then drop D or oh, drop okay. C, drop C, yeah. drop C, and then the other one's the G, which we have to switch out. So it does does limit. Like you can't really fucking call audibles in the middle of a set because you got to think, okay, we got to change guitars and such. So wow. So you got to kind of work that out. Like okay, we're gonna do all the G's here, and then we'll switch, and then that. <laughs> Especially when you're like doing an opening half hour set you know it's just like all right you fucking gotta be quick about this <laughs> yeah totally man yeah that... but keeps 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 me on my toes I, I enjoy it actually yeah i don't like to fuck around like that anymore on stage i just like to pick my guitar up and have it be in one tuning <laughs> just just roll you know <laughs> right yeah but yeah dude that's uh that's awesome man i you know it's good good talking and um yeah, the re new record's great, and I, I, you know, for what it's worth, it's on my top ten list for the year, man. You know. Oh, awesome! I yeah. appreciate it. That's awesome, yeah, dude. Totally. It's like I've been, like I said, for me, it's like I understanding where you're, you're come, you personally are coming from musically with the, you know, the right, the more advanced like playing, you know, and and then also, I mean, I, to me, it sounds very black metal, you know, but there's also obviously influences of like neurosis and and. Uh, you know, just the kind of mathy, like, keelhaul stuff that you, you know, I'm accustomed to hearing you play, you know? Right, right. I mean, it, it's funny to me, like, because I've, I've been inter interviewed in, in the past about, well, a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about the black metal. And I'm like, honestly, from for me personally, the black metal or the that type of influence actually comes from the bands that the black metal bands were influenced by, like the Celtic Frost, Possessed sure you know all that stuff that's where i i think my my where i'm coming through you know the yeah. other guys obviously have other other things but for me personally that i'm like that's that's my all-time favorite is celtic frost you oh know? dude and, yeah me too man. i love that band and, I, and i'm kind of stoked because a friend of mine that I grew up with in virginia uh he bought the record and he just got it the other day and he he uh hit me up i was like dude getting Celtic Frost vibes and I was just like yes all right accomplished <laughs> yeah yeah totally <laughs> accomplished definitely that but like on the amount of time I've spent listening to it I, it's like I think the more um 
like intricate song arrangements you know that's where it kind of differs though you know what i mean frost is just oh sort yeah of like, for you know, sure you know, yeah and, it, and the more intricate arrangements and stuff that's where i was like man this has like uh like kind of like a French like vibe to it, like the Death, Death Spell Omega, you know, kind of thing, you know, or or even some of the pole. I'm now this is like I'm just you know like uh, a band like um, like Krieg Machine or something like that. You know, it's like yeah, a lot of cool like time like time changes and things like that. And you know, I, I know you as being a guy who's very adept at doing that style. You know, right, right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, we didn't. I didn't even realize it till after it was recorded. I'm like, wow, some of these songs got a lot of shit going on. <laughs> yeah, and it, but it all flows though. That's the main thing. It doesn't sound yeah, like I mean, a riff, like riff salad, you know. Yeah, no, none of it was like us sitting down going, okay, this is gonna be like this. this it was. It was like it flows because it, that's what it was. It, it just literally came out of us, and and that's how it came about. You know, we've never sat down consciously be like, okay, I want this part to sound like this or we've never been methodical like that it's just whatever comes out is what it is and we were lucky enough to harness it on this i feel that's killer and uh yeah man like i said i, I love the record and um you know it's it's currently on my top 10 for the year man and we're already like over halfway done with the year so awesome that's awesome well, hopefully hopefully it lasts oh no no for sure it i think lasts. i pretty much got got my 10 that i want there might be a couple that might drop off but this one rates pretty high like in that 10 you know what i'm saying <laughs> the ones at awesome. the bottom are the ones that might might drop off you know what i mean right right yeah well hopefully uh hopefully we can do more shows together yeah dude i was just gonna say that man it's like you know hopefully to see you guys either out here on the east coast or or we'll be uh visiting your town at some point you know Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I mean, if you guys are coming through, I'll definitely. If if all the guys are available, I'll I'll definitely weasel our way onto the show. Hell yeah, that's pretty. That's not. That's at least one advantage we have around here is we can get on <laughs> most shows that we we want to if if it's if it's viable for the tour, you know. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. All right, Aaron. Thanks for uh, taking time out and talking to me. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Hell, totally, dude. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you next week. All right. Thanks. You got it.